The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Mitch Fox are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. Good morning, everybody. Great to see you all. Good morning. In, in, in a nice summer day we've been having or a week I, we've been I having. No, it's unbelievable. And, and you know, uh, more good news other than the weather. And that is, it seems that interest rates are going to be on hold for a while. So uh, no spike this week. Yeah, not going up, maybe going down later. Who knows? But yes, the U.S. inflation rate has been kind of hanging a little higher than the Canadian one. And mm-hmm. so it's it finally finally gave way and it dropped uh, on from six percent to just over five percent now. A uh, big drop in that, and so that means maybe they won't be raising the rates again. Yeah. They they got different parameters than Canada, but the the good news is, regardless which side of the border, end of the day, all these interest rate hikes have been helping, and you're starting to see things such as groceries are finally coming down, egg prices are finally coming down, like things that we all use, every every Canadian uses on a regular basis, you're starting to see maybe the supply chains catching up. Whatever it is, um, certainly the, the interest rates have helped. And it does take, we've talked many times over the show, it takes eight months to a year for a change mm-hmm. in interest rates to have an effect on the economy. And, and that's what's been going on. So this is, it's great news to see this. It certainly yes, must make uh, everybody feel a little bit more consistent, a little bit more relaxed, not as anxious about this stuff. Yeah, things are certainly happening out there. It's the first time the interest, uh, sorry, the inflation on groceries have actually gone down since September 2020. <laughs> mm, mm. So you're talking, wow. what's that, two and a half, two and a half years right there where inflation's been going up constantly for groceries. And now finally, you actually see a decrease. Yeah. Yeah, so that's uh, good Good for everybody, um, you know, because uh, wages weren't keeping up with inflation. So everybody was feeling a pinch. And uh, so, yeah, that's so that's kind of the topics of the of the weekend from as far as a newsworthy item. But uh, on a planning side of things, I know Mitch wanted to talk about, you know, transferring of wealth, estate planning. Uh, what, what areas do you want to talk about that, Mitch? <laughs> yeah, thanks. So. Currently, we're in the midst of the largest intergenerational wealth transfer in history, and mainly because of your age group, the boomers are starting to get older here. So in fact, so trillions of dollars are going to be moving from one generation to the next in the coming years. And all of you have worked your entire life to build up your wealth, and it's only fitting you should have the clarity and control over what's going to happen with your wealth while you're living and once you pass. So lots of Canadians are not adequately prepared to pass on their wealth, and they've worked their entire life for it. 70% of affluent Canadians anticipate leaving an inheritance. Well, the good news is, Mitch, you don't have to worry about this personally. <laughs> I, I, my, your, your, mother, your mother and I plan on making sure we don't leave a lot, so you can keep working. <laughs> well at least at least it's nice of him to be telling you mitch this at this stage of your life and not when you're older and depending on it and saying well geez dad that was my retirement plan (laughs) you know that's that's actually great i thank you for bringing that up and i I hope Brittany's (laughs) listening so that she knows as well (laughs) And and it actually brings me to my first pillar of of my uh topic here is that the first pillar in figuring out uh your 
wealth transfer is to actually have communication with your kids. There you go. I, I thought, honestly, I thought you were kidding here. I didn't think the first pillar was actually going to be your parents. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, should this be more of a family counseling session or an IG show here? What do we do? Well, I think it's a good host, actually. You're kind of like, like a therapist here, so we'll bring you in. You know, this is perfect because normally it's me that's on the couch and it's Don this time. I'm loving it. <laughs> Well, anyway, so communication is something everyone can relate to, as you can hear here, Don, Scott. <laughs> Sometimes it can be very challenging and uncomfortable. Oftentimes it can be uh, most uncomfortable with the people you're closest to. So I guess that's why it's very uncomfortable for you and I. <laughs> I guess that might be the case. I'm Maybe feeling the... quite comfortable, though, actually. So this is okay, good. good. <laughs> I guess we're not that close. Then. <laughs> uh, is it better to do this sort of stuff in person on a Zoom call where everybody's in a different part of the country? You know? <laughs> yeah. Res yeah. My resume. That's actually, a, you know what, Scott? That's actually a good point because <laughs> certain things, certain things are harder to do in person. Yeah. And, uh, and maybe a phone call or a Zoom call might be yeah. one of the things, kidding aside, yeah. One of the ways to break that barrier to have that kind of tough conversation with your kids about about your, you know, your estate and and how you want to leave things, because it is one of those elephants in the room topics, if you will. Yeah, that yeah, people, you, you know, they're getting older yet. You know, you don't really want to talk about it, yet. You do want to talk about it, you want to clear the air on on ter on, on estate transfer. And, uh, you know, it's a great topic, Mitch, because, you know, you look at our family, of course, I'm only 60. But you look at my parents and they're in their mid 80s now. Yeah. And again, it, it's it's still a conversation for older people not to have. Mm -hmm. Regardless, mm -hmm. like, I, I don't know. Uh, I guess there's a part of everybody in denial of how long they're going to live. Yeah. Don't want to have the discussion. Yes. Yeah, I know. And obviously your mother, my grandmother, what did she say? How old she's going to live to? 95? 95. So, you know, and my who goodness. knows? Yeah. But at the same time, just in case, always, you know, as planners, uh, Mitch and I always like, okay, it's always better to have the plan. And if you don't need it, great. But it's certainly better to have that plan in place. Yeah. Just in case. Yeah. It's important to have early and meaningful communications when it comes to this matters. Because like you said, you need a plan and life seldomly goes as planned. But having that plan in place early means if life does has an unexpected terms, you're prepared and your legacy goal will be achieved, whether you've had those discussions early instead of when it's too late. So those are great points that you're bringing up there. Uh, the second pillar that is often missed is uh, consider. It's tougher to be honest and realistic about family situations and whether when it comes to making decisions for their estate plan. 32% of Canadian parents worry about how their children will handle their inheritance and the top four reasons why their child will be unable to maintain their wealth is uh, 24 percent external factors including high cost of living so right now with inflation high the cost of living is increasing rapidly and this is one of the most common concerns making sure that the funds are invested and set up to keep up with inflation and to beat it um, to give your kids the purchasing power that you had during your life with those funds as well 21% is their lack of financial knowledge. Uh, do the parents trust their kids to have the knowledge to handle their funds on their own? And if they don't, do they have the knowledge to find an advisor to help them? Having those conversations with your children early, well, it's only going to be beneficial. 
So this will help them ensure that they learn your values, uh, learn how you built those funds and how you took care of them. Increasing your child's financial literacy and knowledge is only going to be beneficial to them prior to the inheritance as well as after. And 18% of parents worry about splurging their inheritance on short-term indulgences. Uh, this is an American stat, but one in three Americans who get inheritance manage to spend it all and actually have a negative savings within two years of the event. Wow. Wow. That's, a, that's amazing. You know, and you brought up a good point here, Mitch, and we've had situations where people have inherited money. And in fact, I had a client that almost did a trial inheritance. They gave their kids $50,000 to see what would happen to it. And it was a small amount in the overall scheme of things. But in this situation, they realized very quickly that one of their kids would not be good with money. Yeah. And it was almost a test. And so, yeah, it's a it's a it's a dilemma for parents that have their life savings wrapped up and saying, OK, what's going to happen to this? Is it going to help my kids or actually maybe even hurt the kids, depending on their own life goals? So, yeah, it's a, it's a great conversation to have. Well, you look at these parents, they built their life, their savings, their whole life, and they, they might have had stress about whether they were going to run out of money, how they can preserve it, what they can spend it on. And once they pass away, those same worries don't pass on to their kids. So those also, they don't inherit those worries. So they're like, oh, I just came into all this money. Great. Well, now I don't have those worries that I presently had. It's like, okay, well, I wanted to save up for this. Well, now I can buy this. Yeah. It's, it's, not, the, it's not the same as, well, yeah, you know what? I don't know if I can buy this car or, you know what, because I want to give this money to my kids. Well, I obviously am not going to have that problem. I just heard that about five minutes ago. But... <laughs> so I guess I'm not going to inherit your worries either, which is great. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you're, wo you're welcome, Mitch. Uh, move over, Don. Mitch wants to join on the couch there. <laughs> but with that being said, getting an inheritance, it's a responsibility. It's It should not be rushed. Uh, passing, like I said, your worries do not get passed down to the next one. And yeah, I think that trial thing, I've actually never heard that before. And you've never told me that, but I think that's a great thing that many people should actually do with uh, their kids. Um, I'm not trying to say just for me, but uh, in, in general, I think <laughs> well, that's great. Just, just to work on that, Mitch, what, what figure would make you feel good for you and your sister just to try this out on? <laughs> <laughs> it would, would be interesting to see which, what she does and what I do. <laughs> it, it would be. And, and every child's different. And, and so I've had this uh, again, and we, I've had two conversations the past two weeks of two, you know, in, two beneficiaries or would-be beneficiaries in their 20s. And one has already got inheritance, um, but it's it's held to an age to, uh, down the road, not at her current age. And so, yeah, it's it's all the discussions are about this is a big responsibility. Like you could change your life and blow it and have a lot of regret. Or you could have this could be a huge leg up and make your life even more fulfilling. And so as financial planners. These are the discussion we've, we've had with our clients to say, how do you envision the perfect life? And how can this improve your, the situation of that perfect life? And, and so a perfect life isn't necessarily just having lots of money and blowing it. That, in fact, if anything, and a lot of people have that, they end up with a lot of re regret. The perfect life is fulfilling all their goals and, and self-actualization goals and, and living in the nice house they want and having the partner and kids, if you will, whatever it is. and maybe money can have a big role in that. So yeah, it's uh, these are really deep conversations. 
parents normally don't have with kids, but it's a third party such as uh, us as financial planners, we can be that liaison between them and have this conversation on how to transfer wealth effectively so that it's peace of mind on both sides, parents and the beneficiaries. And, you know, just to uh, inject here, guys, um, whether it's this issue that we're discussing today, whether it's any other financial issue, retirement, kids' savings, um, insurance, what have you, um, it really is nice to have a referee there in the middle or someone just to walk that fine line and present both sides with with hopefully a co- you know a cohesive plan. It really does help because it takes the emotion out of it. Yeah, absolutely, Scott. All right, we are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Mitch Fox are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. Going to take a quick break here. We're coming back. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning our financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Mitch Fox are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net. Call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. All right, we've been talking about, uh, well, when we're not sidetracked, we've been talking about wealth transfers <laughs> And uh, in estate planning, Mitch, you are covering this. Yeah, and I just wanted to go over the just the fourth reason why parents kind of worry about giving money to their kids in an inheritance. And fourteen percent of them uh, feel that they're going to lose it due to a divorce. Uh, I know mm. we've talked about this topic a few times, and there are some pretty crazy stories of ex spouses and even ex ex spouses. Uh, getting part of the inheritances and addressing this concern with a financial planner is really important to make sure that your wealth is transferred properly, making sure your beneficiaries are properly done or using a trust to make sure that the funds are used for what you intend those funds to be used for. Uh, I know, Don, you you had a a story about this, I think it was a few weeks ago in terms of some, I think it was an ex-ex-spouse getting the money. I'm pretty certain. Yeah, it was basically a beneficiary on an RSP that wasn't changed in that case. I remember and you they, saying that, yeah. Yeah, they left this spouse on there, and to make it worse is the ex-spouse receives the RSP with no tax. And the current spouse didn't get the RSP, but had to pay the tax for the ex-spouse. <laughs> so um, again, this all comes back down to bad planning and not having an expert sit at your table and go through this. It's It, I, it does take time, but it's well worth it. And you and you can't reverse things after the fact. And it's important to have a planner that's going to make sure that your generational uh, uh, transfer through all your kids is going to be done so that they get the most possible so that you're not paying more tax than you actually have to, and especially not paying tax on inheritance given to an ex-spouse <laughs> from the estate. So in a mistake like that, a good advisor is going to make sure that you don't have happened. Uh, every family situation is different. And from a financial planning standpoint, uh, this can bring unique financial challenges as well as opportunity. Uh, this is why a truly comprehensive estate plan and wealth transfer strategy is much more than just a will. 
Um, but also some realities in wealth transfer is does fair actually, does it mean equal? Are they the same thing? Fair does not necessarily have to mean that they're equal amounts in the inheritance. One child may really want the cottage. So you leave that to them and the other gets the investments. Uh, these two assets may not be worth the same in monetary value, but to them, they see it as equal. So generational uh, estate planning, it doesn't have to mean equal as, as well as fair. But the third pillar that needs to be taken care of is the plan. Napoleon Hill, the author of the best-selling classic, Think and Grow Rich, suggested that his financial success was largely as a result of writing down his goals and science does confirm that when take when you take the time to identify and write down our goals, our brain's going to set it up so that they actually happen. It, once you write things down into paper, instead of just thinking them, it actually puts them ingrained in your body and it's more likely to happen. So writing down your estate goals is, is going to be a lot better than just thinking about them and actually having discussions with your kids and your planner in the same room, it's going to have more common understanding so that the goals are actually going to be put into place. And if certain accounts have to be set up, uh, they're also set up as well. A very common thing that we do for clients, especially around the end of the year, is drawing from the RIFs to top up their tax brackets, if it makes sense. Uh, these funds, they're not necessarily needed to live off of, but we can draw them out at 20% now if they're at a lower tax bracket and pay the tax now versus when they pass away, if they have a RIF over 230,000, then they're going to anything over that tax bracket is going to be 53 and a half percent. We don't want to see anyone paying that tax when they don't necessarily have to, which in essence, the estate is really for their kids and passing it down into the, into the transfer. And wouldn't you want your kids to get more money of that RSP by you paying more tax now, versus you saving it now and then paying more tax when you pass away. So making sure that your estate planning is done properly with your RIFs is also very important to make sure that they get the most out of their estate as well. Yeah. And that's a, you know, that's a great point. We, it's fun, kind of funny, Mitch, we, we do this on a regular basis. We don't even think twice about it, actually. It seems to be just part of our normal fiber of doing business, that we're always working on a tax plan, how to make it as efficient as possible, keep more money for yourself and your estate down the road, and less money for the government. just seems to make sense to us. What I, don't, what I do find, though, this isn't common practice. This isn't happening at, across the street, if you will. Um, invest, investment advisors are solely looking at the investments and how to Im invest that, as we also do. But the actual financial plan entails so much more. And uh, we had one client and they said, you know, I they can't believe the difference. Like, we just never thought of these things. We never were exposed to this with our previous advisor. And says, well, that's because it was an investment advisor. It's a very different relationship. And this is where we really look at what makes clients tick and what is the best thing for them and their family and passing on to the state, as you mentioned, and less for the government, more for them as best we can. There's no way we can totally defeat that, of course, but okay. uh, if the more that we can leave in the hands of, you know, the ones that earn the money, the better. So talking of which, earning money. I have an interesting topic, and this is something that comes across fairly frequently, is when should I retire, Don? And... <laughs> And for a lot of people, it's it's a it's a money issue. For other people, it's not, and it's it's more of a a bigger picture kind of idea. What's the best optimal age to retire? And it really comes down to 
two opposing areas of a person's life. And it's kind of interesting. I, we talk, I talk about this personally on almost every appointment. We want to minimize regret. Because we'd see clients that get on in years and they say, oh, I wish I could have done this. Or I wish I had done this. And they didn't do it. And they could have. They had the money or they had the time, whatever the case. The other side of it is we want to maximize fun. And so you maximize fun or happiness on one end. And you want to minimize regret the other. And that comes down to what age should I retire at? Okay, to do these things. And so this is very different for different for everybody. So what is retirement? And these are the conversations. These are kind of the soft questions we ask in an appointment. You know, think and, and try to picture what the perfect retirement is for you. Is it sitting at your cottage, having a cup of coffee, moseying down to the dock and uh, trying to decide whether to go skiing on the boat with the boat or fishing that day. Maybe that's your big dilemma of the day. Um, or is it, you know, owning a farm and traveling all over the world, um, doing lots of sports? Um, there's a new kind of a craze. It's, uh, and I see it, uh, if you go hashtag van life, um, it's, it's having a van and driving around and, and people are literally selling their homes and living in a van and traveling North America that way. What makes you tick? Because it's so hard for us to say, okay, here's, we can figure out the money side, but we have to try to accomplish your goals. And this is what's so different for everybody. And there's no wrong or right answer here either, by the way. Now, this is the wrong or right answer. Make sure your spouse is involved in this decision making. <laughs> okay. Because if he or she does not want to, does, does not want to live in a van, it will not bode well. <laughs> but honey, everybody's talking about it. There was an old Saturday Night, uh, Saturday Night Live sketch about living in a van down by the river. It's great. It's yeah, awesome. And, You'll love and, it. And I already bought it. <laughs> <laughs> I literally had uh, friends of ours and uh, the you know the husband was away and the, and the and the wife went and bought a cottage without telling him and it happened, wow. to buy it with, happened to buy it with a friend of that person's and so the two ladies bought a cottage and shared it and think well this is going to be great our husbands will love it uh, it didn't work out so well um they lost their husbands and lost their friendship um so it was a double whammy there so again <laughs> transparency it's so important and we got to make sure everybody is on the same you know, kind of pathway there. And it's when we, actually when we have more time, I think that's a story you should be sharing with us. That sounds like a good one. Yeah, yeah it's a, it's one heck of a story. Um, so, um, but interesting enough, there's a 43% divorce rate between ages 55 and 64. Okay. There's a reason for this. <laughs> and now maybe they're hanging on for the kids, maybe, but you know, for a lot of the things is they've, they've got through the hard part of life and now it's like another stage and retirement's a scary stage. And these are the, those terror barriers, if you will, that people have to break through and they got to be coming out of them or going into them rather holding hands on the same path of what they want to see their retirement as not I'm going this way. I hope you like it. And she's uh, he or she says, I'm going this way. I hope you like it. And, you know, hence the 43% divorce rate. So money is a factor, 
for sure. In fact, it's probably the number one factor um, of your retirement age. And these are the easy things that we do naturally, Mitch and I, through pro, pro projection programs, going through what's called a PFR, personal financial review, listing all the assets, all the income streams, going through everything. Um, at the end of the day, well, pensions, if you, are, if you are receiving a pension, they vest at certain ages. And there's massive penalties for retiring too early. So you do want to optimize that to a certain extent. Compounding effect of money. You can't compound if the money's not there long enough. It takes a while for it to compound. So that's another factor. Longevity. That's a bigger and bigger factor all the time. You know, you know if you're only going to live to 70 or 67 and way, way back, that was easy retirement planning. What if you're going to live to 95 or 100? Different story. Job satisfaction. This is another question we ask ourselves is how satisfied are you with your work? Well, Warren Buffett's 92. Jim Patterson is 93. Our, our, our local favorite, Ron Foxcroft, is 77. They're not, they're not retiring. Um, they're talking about how to develop even more things and, and grow their businesses, maybe differently. Maybe they would have done it differently at age or age 45, but they still are passionate about their businesses. Um, in, in fact, the Canadian average age for males retiring is 65.2 now. If you're self-employed, it's about 69. So it's almost four years longer because you're self-employed. Is it because they don't have enough money? Maybe. Is it because they're having more fun and they're more satisfied with their job? Likely. Um, funny enough, females don't seem to have as much fun being self-employed, okay, because their average age is 66.5 and versus 69 for males. But on, on, on par, they're actually, their average age for retirement is 63.6. So they actually do retire earlier on both sides of it, um, whether you're self-employed or not. So, you know, I, we, I had one client and he didn't call it retirement. He was a doctor. He called it refocusment. And I thought it was a really good way of putting it. Uh, retirement is an adventure and it could involve still working. It could involve a different hobby. It doesn't mean sitting in a, you know, that rocking chair on the porch, just waiting for your, your days to end kind of thing. It is an adventure. Make the best of it. And, and he did a lot, this, this gentleman. So refocusment. Um, funny enough, uh, you know, there are some Americans that really, and this is an American study, 3% of Americans under 50 to 54 are retired. Now, it doesn't say whether they had to go back to work later or later down the road. Mm. Um, the biggest age group, though, is 61 to 65. 51% are retiring at that age. And then it starts to drop off, 66 to 69, 12% are retiring. And if you go back, 85 plus, 2% are still working or, or, or going to be retired. Now, when I say this, I'm thinking they are living their days working. And that may be the Warren Buffett or the Jimmy Pattersons of the world that are already in their 90s. And so, you know, that whole idea of Freedom 55 is certainly not happening. In fact, since 1992, the average age of retirement has been going up. It's gone up a few years. I mean, it was about 60, just over 62. Now it's around 65. So, but there's a lot of factors that uh, go into re, you know, retirement and what age you want to retire, the length of time you spent at school. You know, maybe you, depending on your degree or, or what your vocation is, if you've got hard labor work, yeah, you're probably not going to want to work past a certain age. You're probably counting the days. 
Um, if you uh, have student loans, there's a lot of debt. You may want to work longer to pay off debt. Uh, multiple job, job changes. That will change your retirement years. Multiple spouses definitely will have a change in your retirement years because of you know, the cost of uh, having a divorce. Having kids, are they graduated? You know, many things, whether you own a house or want to rent, that changes things too. And um, how much time do you want to spend with aging parents? That is actually a big factor these days, people retiring so they can help look after their aging parents. So many questions that we ask or come into a conversation when you want to talk about retirement. So yeah, there's no right answer. If somebody was saying, okay, Don, what is the right answer? It is no real right answer. Um, death rates or, or longevity has gone up. And really at the end of the day, I, I see a lot of people who are retired are taking less pay, but they're working somewhere else and they are fulfilled. And I think this is really the answer. What is What would make you fulfilled so that you are minimizing regret and maximizing happiness? And I think those are the questions you have to, the listeners have to ask themselves, what is that thing? And it's a hard one. You just have to ponder that. And if you have that, you know, kind of the forefront of your mind, what is that passion? Now, money aside and planning aside, as, as Mitch and I will go over a plan and say, okay, yes, bells are off. You have enough money now. You can retire. What are you retiring to? And that is the question. And these are some of the nice conversations we have. It's all part of financial planning. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Mitch Fox are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. Going to take a quick break here. We're coming right back. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Mitch Fox are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. All right, the big tax refund. Is it good to get one or not? Yeah, so it's tax season, a uh, time when many people's thoughts turn towards their tax refund and what they're going to do with it. Should you put it towards your mortgage, add it to your RSP, or make a TFSA contribution? While those are all great things to do with your refund, let's take a look at a different one, and that's don't get one, don't get a refund at all. This may sound counterintuitive. After all, isn't it great to receive a big tax refund, which you can use in so many different ways? Um, most people like to buy something cool, whether it's stuff for your balcony at your condo, something for your car, or maybe a new driver for the golf season that's coming up soon. But uh, first of all, let's take a look at why do you even get a tax refund? Most employed people pay tax at the source. The money you receive in your paycheck has normally had tax deductions taken from it, as well as CPP and EI contributions by your company, company's payroll department. The tax withheld is an estimate of your tax liability to the government and is sent to the CRA on your behalf. So why would you get a tax refund? Your payroll department doesn't take into account several common payments that you make over the year, which can be claimed on your tax return to reduce your tax owing. Uh, this would include 
your personal non-work related RSP contributions, possibly some childcare expenses, maybe spousal support, charitable donations, or other sorts of tax deductions. Maybe you have an investment loan and you get to write off the interest on that investment loan. So why is it better to not receive a tax refund? Getting a large tax refund can be considered inefficient tax planning. Every month you pay more tax than you need to, and that sits at the CRA's coffers, making the government interest instead of contributing towards your financial plan. For some of that money, it could take as long as 16 months before you get it back, depending upon when you file your taxes. So let's say on May 1st, you receive a tax refund of $5,040 for your previous year's tax contributions. This is a nice windfall and enough money to make a significant contribution to some of your savings goals. However, what would happen if you received $420 in extra cash every month instead of a big tax refund in one lump sum? So let's say you invested that additional money and earned a 5% rate of return that year. By the following May, so you're putting $420 a month away for that year. By the following May, your capital invested for the previous year would have been $5,243 instead of $5,040. So this is an extra $203 and that's on one year. So let's take a look as if you were going to do that every year for 30 years. Let's say if you were to extrapolate that 30 years, you're putting that $420 away per month instead of getting that lump sum with the same amount every year. The difference is uh, from $349,000 versus $334,000, which is roughly $15,000 difference. You're still investing the same amount but you're having it work for you for a longer time and it makes a difference. So how can you reduce your paycheck deductions? Uh, it's pretty simple actually. You just, uh, you fill out a government form with Canada and you, re you request to reduce your tax deductions at the source and send the completed form to your nearest CRA tax center. And the government's gonna get that done for you. And then you're gonna be actually getting more on your paycheck. Um, now I do wanna mention that this is gonna increase your gross pay and for this strategy to be effective, you act, you have to invest it instead of actually see your gross pay uh, go up and start using it on different expenses. You have to, this is only a strategy for the discipline. Uh, it's not so that you're going to actually see your monthly income go up and use it towards something else, something more fun. It has to go into your TFSA or your RSP. And I know our team always recommends using their tax refund to top up their TFSA or RSP. The double dip of putting money into your RSP for the previous tax year and getting a tax refund for that to invest into your accounts is, is very beneficial. That's And it's essentially money being borrowed from the government. Once you start taking funds from your RIF, that tax has to be paid back. So we hope for less tax than you did when you put the money away, but if you take the tax back and invest it into your accounts, it gives the money borrowed from the government the chance to grow and you're not gonna have to pay as much tax as when you put it away. So, and also another place that is a good place to put your tax refund with mortgage rates and secured line of credits having been so low previously, um, we typically wouldn't have recommended paying that down with these, with these tax refunds. But now you're seeing mortgage rates, maybe you locked into, maybe you got into a variable in 2021 and now your mortgage rates are six to 7%, maybe even higher uh, if you're in a private one. Um, you might wanna take these, this tax refund and put it towards your mortgage uh, to pay that down, especially because it is gonna be higher than a rate of return than your investments uh, may be getting. So we are gonna be looking at different places to put this 
uh, tax refund, whether if you have a credit card, that would be the first place I'd say, because that's 20 plus percent interest rates versus something in investment. If your investment's getting 5%, well, let's pay down that 20% credit card with this tax refund instead of paying down your, your mortgage, which if, especially if you're locked into a fixed rate from 2022 and you're, or 2021, you're locked in at 2%. Don't pay that off with the, with the tax refund. Make sure you're paying down the highest debts first and then going down from there. So pay down your mortgage, your, uh, your credit card, higher interest rate line of credit. And then from there, we can look at putting it somewhere else. It really depends on how high the interest rates are on these debts as to where we want to put it. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Mitch Fox are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. Going to take a quick break here. We're coming right back. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Mitch Fox are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net. Call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. All right, we're talking about uh, mortgage uh, mortgage. Uh, renewals mortgage renewals is what we're i can't even read my writing uh mortgage <laughs> renewals uh <laughs> is it a good time uh you know i've heard many people say that they're going to come down you alluded to that earlier on uh maybe get something short term and then re-examine this you know what it's it's not about whether it's a good time or not you've already done something and it's coming up for renewal and this is where it gets a little tricky because you know maybe the interest rates were pretty low a year ago which they were or a year and a half ago, or maybe two years ago. And you said, you know what? I'm not going to lock for five years. I'm going to lock it up for a year and a half or or 18 month mortgage or a year mortgage and get that 1.5% interest rate rather than a 2% five-year rate. And so that would be kind of the normal banks. And in if you will, I, like IG also deals with mortgages. So we, we offer mortgages too, and they would be at similar or if not even more competitive rates than than say the the banks so it's always good for clients to check with us also but there's also another way to find people to um to finance a house and that's through private lending and this is where there's an interesting article that showing that private lenders and there's a number of them that are that lend and they're not household names but if you do not qualify for they say the normal avenues of of lenders now, banks, trust companies, um, you know, big companies, insurance companies, et cetera, then you may go to these private lenders and they do, they would charge a higher interest rate. But what they're doing is they're not renewing, they're not allowing the people to renew their mortgage. So, because they have this something, um, the loan to value is at a certain rate. So, the amount of the loan as a percentage of the value of the house has to maintain a certain rate. So with the housing prices dropping, this has held a lot of people in a really precarious kind of situation here. Because here's an example. For example, you you bought a house in, say, 2021 for 500000 You put down 25% down. 
So you put down 125,000. That's more than the average traditional lending where you only have to put down 20%. So you put down 125,000. You did not qualify for the normal lending routes. You went to a private lender. So you had a mortgage for 375,000. All good, except the house value went down 20%, down to 400,000. Well, now 375,000 on a mortgage on a $400,000 house means the loan to value ratio is now 94%. Now, most of the lenders out there, as far as I know, I haven't heard any anything otherwise, are going to just allow you to renew your mortgage. I know IG is doing that. So as long as you continue to make your payments, you will get another mortgage with that, that lender, obviously at the current interest rates, and you will keep going on your merry way. The private lenders are saying, you know what? You're too much of a risk now. Uh, we're not going to renew your mortgage. You're going to have to find a mortgage elsewhere and pay us off. Well, where is this person going to go? They now own a $400,000 home, and they only got 25000 equity in the house. The traditional lenders aren't going to even lend money to them either, even if they qualified. There was a reason why they went to the private lenders in the first place, because they didn't qualify. But even if things changed and they did qualify, nobody's going to touch them. There's nothing they can do. There's no recourse. It's buyer beware. And you probably have to find a friend or somebody to help you out of the situation or sell your house. And so it's a certain areas are, are more susceptible for this kind of problem. And these are the areas that had a very large increase in, in uh, values of their properties. And Owen Sound was an example. Bowmanville, Aurelia, Brampton. And guess what? Hamilton made that list because the housing prices went up so much during the pandemic. They've also come down more than the average house too. So they've been hit on both ways, a lot more volatility. So yes, this, the private lenders are nervous that the borrowers are not going to make their payments because the rates are gone up. And so just an example right now, if you were to renew your mortgage, you might get a five-year mortgage at 5%. Private lenders are lending at about as high as 12.99%. Now, that's the highest. So let's say you even got one at 8%. It's still a drastic difference from a few years ago when interest rates were 2% for a five-year mortgage and maybe the private lenders were at 5% or 6%. So at the end of the day, they they may end up saying having to foreclose their the house on you and to get their money. So it's bad enough that people have taken their hard-earned money, saved like crazy, couldn't get the, the normal lending routes, and they went to a private lender to help them get this house, their dream house, and now it's come up for renewal. So at the end of the day, this is where, speaking with a financial planner, I would recommend right off the get-go, if your mortgage is coming up for renewal, speak to your lender now, way before it comes due. What is your recourse? What's going to happen? Because you want to, you don't want to all of a sudden have a month to spare or a couple of weeks or show up the day of the renewal, sign the form and say, well, you know what? You don't qualify anymore. Um, it won't be a good day. And again, all comes back down to planning. And, you know, you don't want to be a victim. And, and I, in, in my own opinion, if you just show up, you will end up being a victim to the new rates. You're a victim to what the lenders will tell you. You should be prepared for the new increase. And if you are with a traditional lender, no problem. But again, I, you also want to have your ducks in order because you have a little bit more leverage in, ter in terms of discussing interest rates with them. You may not be able to switch 
some say some the Royal Bank to IG or TD to CIBC. You may not be able to switch because the loan to value ratio has gone down too much, but at least you can still stay with those traditional lenders and they're not going to foreclose on your house. All I'm saying, great time to talk to your financial planner to, uh, at this point and, and get your ducks in order to make sure that you will be prepared for when your mortgage renews. We have been planning our financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Mitch Fox have been here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. Thank you, gentlemen. Another great show. Have a fabulous week. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML.